0: Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Good morning. Good to see you guys here at Movement Church. Uh, I'm excited about this new series. It's called, as you can see, The Quest. Um, It is based on a book by a guy by the name of Darren Key, and he is the CEO of Of Christian Financial Resources, which is one of the partners that helped get us launched. And uh, many of you have seen or met Roger Kitzmiller that's been here from time to time who works with CFR. And this is a great book, and we are uh, really leaning heavily on this book for this series because it's talking about a journey that is important to us all. And uh, since we're talking about quests, I want to ask you guys, do you have any movies or stories, books, or whatever novels that you think of when you think of the, the word a quest? Like It tells the story. Of a quest, anybody got some? Just say them out loud. Lord of the Rings, of the Rings. Phantom Tollbooth. I've never heard of that one. That sounds good. I had to check one out. Anybody else? I'm too hard of hearing, I guess. What was that? Oh, Legend of Zelda. All right, somebody said one back here. I think. What I have not, I have no clue. All right, so most of us think of some different ones. I'll tell you one of my favorite ones. Um, It is a literary masterpiece on film, and it's called uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. A few of y'all are very cultured. The rest, sorry, you need to check it out. Um, But there's many things that we think about when we think about a quest. And uh, a quest is defined as a long or arduous journey in search of something or to accomplish something normally of great value. And, you know, we've all seen the stories. We've read the books. We've played the video games, you know. Uh, and one of the first ones, I think a lot of us, if you you might not even thought about it this way, but it's probably one of the early movies. Now, that's changing now as generations, you know, we've got Disney Plus for kids and all that sort of stuff. But for people at least my age, maybe a little bit younger and definitely older, one of the first movies that I really remember watching Getting excited about was about a little girl from Kansas who had a tornado come through. Remember that? You know where I'm going with this? What movie is this? the wizard of oz i remember it terrified me at first you know because you got them flying monkeys and it's like i've been to the zoo and if them jokers take off start flying i'm gonna like i'm gonna book you know but i'm telling you i remember being scared but it was a really good movie then i like watching it It came on tv every year and you know it was one of the good ones um i think somebody somebody may have mentioned this one um the harry potter uh movies and books you know are definitely a quest the quest was to defeat who you're not supposed to say his name. That's right. You're not supposed to say his name. Voldemort. Oop, I said it. I said it. Voldemort. Um, then uh, one of my favorite uh, film series is Indiana Jones. All right. There you go. And, you know, one of the first ones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, looking for the Ark of the Covenant. And then my favorite movie of that series is The Holy Grail, Search for the Holy Grail, whatever they call that one. I just went blank. Um, but that's a good one. You know, you're on a quest there. And then somebody mentioned it, Frodo. Remember Frodo? He goes and his quest is destroy the One Ring in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and then you got all the extra movies they're adding on now, based on the Hobbit and all that sort of stuff. But these quest stories they're exciting for us because it's a journey, and it's always something new. There's always some moments of fear. There's some moments where people really step up and they are challenged, and we really like it because they never they go to places they've never been before. And that's always interesting. You know, these mythical, magical lands, sometimes there's danger everywhere. Then they encounter challenges that they've never faced before. And so it's always, we're stretching, we're growing with them, especially, you know, books are actually better, right? Because you you create this mo- this land in your mind, you're seeing all these things and you put yourself right in the action and movies are good for that too, but not quite as good as books. And then they discover abilities that they've never used before. They, they find strength that they didn't realize that they had. They find, you know, all sorts of skills that they develop or they're gifted with. And it's pretty, it's such a cool thing. And then many times they find something that they never expected. You know, they find something that they never expected. And, and that's one of the best parts of it is they realize that there's something bigger, there's something better beyond the horizon, You know, maybe they were fearful before but then they go and they they find that they can experience new things They experience bigger and better and that life believe it or not even with all the struggle Even with all the wrestling all the danger that they go through life is better than it ever was before More than they've ever imagined And so I want to invite you to go on a quest together I want us to go on this quest together as we look at god's word And we see what it means to be financially healthy. And I I know for some people that's like, oh gosh, here we go. You know, we're talking about this. And like I said, there's this really good book called The Quest you can find on Amazon. It's super short. Uh, The chapters are real short and it's got some really good principles. And we're going to be talking about these things. But it's a quest that not a lot of people are even willing to go on, even Christians. You know, a lot of people are so afraid of really looking at deeply and learning about money and finances. And it's like, they think ignorance is bliss. If I, I don't acknowledge the problem, the problem's not real, but when they come and repossess your car in the middle of the night, you know, you'll know it's real, right? I mean, let's be honest. I, I, I talked to this guy who was a repo guy one time and they were so like serious about getting their stuff back. They had bought a, uh, the person had bought a, a window unit air conditioner and had not paid in forever, and they tried to get him to pay, tried to get him to pay, and so they literally went and hooked the chain up around the window unit and just yanked it out and drug it down the road. They'd rather it be destroyed than that person have it and not pay for it. I mean, I'm telling you, people don't want to deal with the dangers that they are putting themselves in when they lose control of their finances. And so many times with a quest, though, it's a lot easier to just stay at home, right? You And a lot of times that's a part of the movie, that's a part of the book, that's a part of the story, is that the person is reluctant to go because the safety of home is so much more comfortable, right? Now, you know the evil is out there lurking, but you kind of tell yourself, oh, it's not going to come to my door. But the problem is, it's going to get there eventually, right? It's going to take over. And so the safety of the shire sometimes is more desirable than discomfort of the quest until evil comes knocking at your door, at your home. And this quest that we're talking about is, is absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary. And the question is why? Why is it necessary for us as believers to talk about money? Why is it necessary for us to talk about finances? I believe just like the quest and the stories and the books and the movies and all those sorts of things, it's because it can change your life for the better in the lives of others. And most importantly, I want you to hear this if we learn how to handle our money in a godly way, it brings honor to God. And that's something I think a lot of us miss. We get so scared and defensive and up in our feelings about it that we don't want to listen and think about it. But we want to honor God in every part of our life, right? We don't want to be hypocritical and say, oh, yeah, I give every part of my life to God. You know, sometimes I think it's a little bit like when people are baptizing to Jesus, it's sort of like they're holding their wallet out of the water. It's like, I ain't baptizing this. That's going to be mine when I get back up. You know? Ooh, that that hit home. Nobody's laughing. A few of y'all laughing. You're like, hey, that was my baptism. (laughs) I had a dry wallet. You know? But here's the thing. If we want to honor God in everything, we've got to honor God in everything. Everything. So why is it so vital? Because you might be thinking, well, I'm doing okay. My family's doing okay. We're not starving. We're comfortable. But just like in the Lord of the Rings, just like in Indiana Jones, just like in Star Wars, the danger is lurking, and it's getting ready to come to our door. In November of 2019, Forbes Magazine shared a statistic. Forbes Magazine, not a Christian organization by any stretch. And they they did a study, and this is what they found. Only 29% of Americans considered themselves financially healthy. 29% considered themselves financially healthy. Uh, You got to reverse that for a second. That means 70% of Americans did not think that they were financially healthy with their funds, with their money, with their finances. And, you know, we have roughly each week here, you know, about a hundred people. And so that means that 70 of us, 70 of us are not financially healthy according to statistics, now, I hope that the church is a little bit better than that, but I'm not so naive to think that that's the case because life is hard for a lot of us, and sometimes we just feel like we can never, ever get ahead. And so it's a statistic that we need to think about. 70%. Seven out of ten people. Seven out of ten people don't feel like they're financially healthy. You feel like you've got more money going out every month than you do coming in. And all God's people said, amen, right? Most of us can probably relate to that. You've got too much debt, maybe. You have very little savings, if any. You have few investments, if any at all. And then probably the worst part, you have a ton of stress. What does uh, another statistic say that most marital fights are about? Money. Stress overflows into every area of our life. And many of us are just one financial crisis away from financial ruin if one really bad thing happens, a lot of us will be ruined. Seven out of 10, maybe. And the worst thing is, we don't often know what to do about it. So that's why we want to talk about this for the next few weeks. You see, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. Satan has played a masterful hand when it comes to the church and money. He has perpetuated the lie that we shouldn't trust the church when it comes to money. And for many believers, it's like they're saying, I'll trust the church with my immortal soul, but not with my money. And if you think about it that way, that's crazy, right? It's saying, I will trust my salvation with the church, but you better not talk about my money, church that's crazy our soul is so much more valuable than our money but in our minds we get so twisted up and that's why we want to talk about this our minds we get so twisted up that we think of our money and our stuff as more valuable than our soul and we don't want to talk about it with godly people so what are we going to do What are we going to do to change this? Let's learn to trust God to help us on this quest and see our lives change. Now, like any quest, I'm going to be honest with you, it's not going to be easy, but it'll be worth it. So for our first lessons for this quest, I want us to take a look at the Wizard of Oz remember when, when Dorothy and her house crushed the witch, uh, her quest began uh, back home. You know, she wanted to get back home. And she had a lot of help, though, on her difficult journey. She met the, the munchkins. You remember them? You know? She met the Munchkin. Father, you got to pick road. Follow you got to pick road. You know, that was... Thank you. Thank you. I, I worked on that. <laughs> worked on that for hours. I mean, it was... It's good. First did helium. No, I'm just kidding. And then she met... I don't know if this is the right order, but the cowardly lion... Put them up, put them up, right? Remember that? Y'all, y'all didn't watch that movie when y'all was a kid? Scarecrow first. Oh, that's why y'all protesting. Like, you got it in the wrong order, dummy. That's, <laughs> I'm not commenting until you get in the right order. The Scarecrow. And then the Cowardly Lion. Oh, hey, back off me. Back off. Don't make me come off the stage. <laughs> okay, Scarecrow. 10 man? Lion. Thank you, Cowardly line. All right, there we go. He was in there somewhere. That's, I know that's important. She meets her three friends, and, you know, it's a journey. It's really interesting. And, uh, you know, they're looking for brains. They're looking for a heart. They're looking for courage. They're looking for all these different things. And the deal is they go along, and they're dealing with the flying monkeys that I mentioned earlier and, of course, the Wicked Witch of the West. And then she has her ruby slippers And they eventually will help her get back home. But I want to challenge you to think about it this way. I believe the greatest tool that she had was maybe the yellow brick road that's what darren says in his book he says the yellow brick road is the greatest tool that she had yeah the slippers got her there she had the ability all along but she didn't have the knowledge until she followed the yellow brick road and got to the place where she got to the emerald city and met the wizard of oz and he shared that information with her and so it's important to realize when without the yellow brick road who knows how long her journey her quest would have been right There's an old Chinese proverb that's been around forever that says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with what? One single step. But how many journeys in our lives, maybe your very own life, started out, should have been a thousand miles, but turned into ten thousand? Because you started off on the wrong first step. You know, we all can relate to that. You started off in the wrong direction and she may have never met the lion or the scarecrow or the tin man or any of those if she had started off on the wrong step and she didn't follow the yellow brick road. And if you're one of the seven of 10 that we talked about, you're not financially healthy, then you can probably relate to Dorothy. You may feel confused. You may feel lost. You may feel wondering if you'll ever arrive at your goal, but there's good news guys. There's good news, and if you have the yellow brick road to guide you, guess what? The yellow brick road for us is God's word. You've got this yellow brick road of the Bible, and it says in Psalm 37, verse 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. He directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of your lives. God cares about every single part of your life, even your finances, He cares about it and God will direct you if you'll follow him even with your money Second Timothy 3 16 says this All scripture is inspired by God And is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right You see, God will use his word to guide you and to teach you how to live, even in regards to money. You know that the Bible has over 2,000 verses that deal with money, either as an illustration or a direct teaching point about money? 2,000 verses. And if you think about it, these verses are like road signs on this journey, this yellow brick road that we're on, and they're helping us to know which way to go or which way to avoid when it comes to things like our money and our lives. And so here's three quick road signs I want us to think about this morning from Scripture on this quest of financial health that honors God. Sign number one, God owns it all. God owns it all. That's the first principle that you and I have to understand. God owns it all. Psalm 24 verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him everything everybody belongs to god and we need to wrap our brains around that the world though will tell you something different the world will tell you that you are your own that will tell you that your stuff is your own and that your stuff defines you and almost every single one of us fall into that trap and that lie at some point in our lives We struggle with it. We believe the lies. We think that our our stuff is what really makes us who we are. And so we search and we grab and we claw and we cheat and we steal and whatever. We work hard to get more stuff. And when somebody comes along and we see somebody that has something we want, we compare ourselves to them and we can either get greedy and take it or get something just like it and then we feel empty Or worse yet, we feel like we are nothing because we don't have as much as somebody else. And y'all know the danger of this, right? The danger is, is that no matter how much stuff you get, there's always somebody that's got what? More better stuff. And so it's only gonna eat you alive. And so you have to realize this comparison game will always leave you lacking. And so I hope it's freeing for us to either learn or be reminded of the truth that this earth is the Lord's and everything in it belongs to Him. So it does not matter if you are Elon Musk or you're the kid that works at McDonald's. You might have different take home pay, don't get me wrong. You might have different take home pay, but when it comes to ownership, you're both equal. As hard as that is for us to believe, well, Elon owns Twitter. No, he don't. God owns it. Everything we have on this earth, whether we believe in God or not, belongs to him. He is the owner. And so neither of us own anything. And this is a a truth I want you to wrap your minds around. Every single one of us are managers Or stewards, whatever word you want to use, of God's stuff, and we will have to give an account before Him of what we did with the stuff He gave us to manage. Do you see that? Every single one of us are managers or stewards of God's stuff and we will have to give an account before him of what we did with the stuff he gave us to manage. You will have to, I will have to, Elon, Jeff Bezos, I mean, everybody's going to have to give an account for what they did with what God gave them to manage. And I hope and pray that we have a good answer and we did good things with what God has given us to manage. So the good news is this, the pressure's off of you. The pressure's off of me. You and I are just managers, and you just have stuff to, uh, excuse me, you just have to do with God's stuff what he says to do. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. But let me pause. Some of your brains have already gone here. It's simple, but simple does not always equate easy, does it? It's not always easy to trust and do what God says, but it is simple. So you know what to do. So now the effort is going into doing the simple thing that God wants you to do. But knowing is half the battle, if I'm I'm being honest. Here's sign two. Here's sign two. God is generous. God is generous. If you're like the majority of the planet, you've been living your life in acquisition mode. You know, from, you know, early, 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 as soon as we start to verbalize and vocalize, sometimes before kids even talk, they're already showing you with their body language, mine. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, they're the little seagulls. You know, as soon, as soon as they are able to vocalize, mine, 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 you know, little... 18 month old, you know, I mean, that's what you take their toy, you take their spoon, you take their sippy cup. My, you know, they will pop you on the head, you know, not the mama. That's an old reference, I don't know if y'all get that. But that's the thing from early, early life, we are in acquisition mode. We're like, I have to get more stuff. And you can, uh, when your kid is playing with a toy, all they need to do is see another kid with another toy, and they don't want their toy anymore, they want the other toy and we look and we're like oh silly child <laughs> and we are the same way at 35 years old and 45 and 65 and 75 May I, uh, 75 maybe you're starting to get a little smarter 55 I left some people out saw that but you're sitting there and you're like mine mine and then you're looking over the neighbor's fence and you're like oh mine gonna be mine you know and we're in acquisition mode and we think man, I, I just don't know I got to get more stuff I got to get more stuff and it can be scary It can be scary thinking about the fact of sign one that god is the owner of everything and that you're relinquishing your control over God's stuff I, I love what Shaq said shack shaquille o'neal uh, NBA star. He said something. I heard it recently. He said uh, my kids are older now and they're kind of upset with me Not really upset, but they don't understand. I tell them all the time We ain't rich I'm rich. That's, that's good. That's good. We ain't rich. I'm rich. That's what Shaq says to his kids. Now, the one thing I, I, I don't want to throw any shade at Shaq. If you don't know anything about Shaq, Shaq has documented very well. It's, he, he has not, it's been documented. that He is very, very generous. He's all the time paying for people's stuff. But what we do have to learn from this is we don't have to worry that God is going to have the attitude of Shaq. He doesn't really feel that way. I'm sure he takes care of his family but we don't have to worry that god's going to be like this is not you know yours this is just mine god is going to give to us freely he is generous he will never withhold what we need god is generous it says in malachi chapter 3 verse 10 this this Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. God is telling the Old Testament, the Jewish uh, believers, he said, you know, bring me a tenth of all of your produce, everything you've raised, all of that stuff. Give it to me. Trust me. And when you do, I will pour out blessing upon blessing upon blessing on you. You will have enough. And, And that's interesting. That's one of the places that you see where God says to test him. He's saying, if you want to know how much I'll show up, give to me and I will show up. Now, I want to, I'm going to pause right here and break this down real quick. He does not say, I'm going to show up and then you give. That's right. You give and then I'll show up. You give, and then I'll show up. He is a generous God, but he wants us to learn to trust him. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says this. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. He he tells us in the Old Testament, the same principle. He tells us in the New Testament. He says, give and trust me. I will supply everything you need richly for your enjoyment. God is generous. I've just got to be honest. And and that's one of the things I say a lot because I I have real feelings, real emotions. And this has been a struggle with me. You you might be thinking what I think sometimes. You might be thinking, all right, easy killer. You haven't seen my paycheck. You might be thinking that exact same thing. You might be thinking, man, God is not exactly making it rain on me. You know, he, somebody next door, they, they've got a lot of stuff. They've got a lot of money. They've got a lot extra, but I don't have, you know, I I can't rub two nickels together sometimes, you know? Any of y'all ever played that strategy game with paying the bills? Like, oh, this one's going to hit on Tuesday, and then I'll get that money. I'll find, I'm going to dig in the couch cushions and find 50 cents to put in the bank, and then I'm going to... Anybody ever done that? Don't be proud. Most of us have done it. If not, I need to learn from you. But we get so scared and so tight and so worried and so fearful, and so we lose control and we, we just start scrounging and we start thinking. And you may be thinking, I just don't have what a lot of people have. But there's an interesting website that I'd encourage you to check out sometime and just google it if you can't remember this it's a long uh, website name but it's howrichami.givingwhatwecan.org it's a mouthful just google how how rich am I it'll come up it's a very interesting website as far as I know it's not a Christian organization it's just a, a secular organization about generosity but it'll let you plug in numbers and it's really eye opening I went in and plugged in some numbers and here's what I found If you make $25,000 per year, you're in the top 6% of people, richest people in the world. $25,000 a year. You're in the top 6% richest people in the world. And guess what? If you make $50,000 per year, you're in the top 1.5 richest people in the world. 1.5% richest people in the world. Is that not mind-boggling? Is that not mind-blowing? Does that give you a little bit of perspective to realize just how blessed you and I are? Even, all right, stop right now. If you are in a really lean time, if you're in a, I mean, if you are in a really lean time right now, you might be arguing, you might be angry, you might be frustrated. I want you to hear you are blessed. Because you have a God who loves you and who is generous. And even if you're not a Christian yet, there are believers that God is going to activate to help you in your time of need and he will supply and meet your need when you need it. You just need to wait for him to show up. And so I want you to see, you look at those numbers, I hope and realize even though things might be tight for you, you're not poor. I hope you don't feel as poor as you did when you came in because the truth is we don't own anything but we're still extremely blessed and we've been entrusted with so much more than the vast majority of the world and if you follow the yellow brick road of god's word and you manage what he's placed in your care in a way that honors him he'll entrust you with even more god told the jews through isaiah in in chapter 1 verse 19 of the the book of isaiah if you only obey me you will have plenty to eat he doesn't say enough he says plenty God is not stingy, he's generous. And then here's sign 3. God can be trusted. God can be trusted. Even though Dorothy, uh, Dorothy Dorothy and her crew had the Yellow Brick Road, they had fear and they had doubts, especially when they thought about the what? The lions, the tigers and the bears. There you go. Finally somebody's yeah, you're awake. You're awake lions and tigers and bears oh my you know it was tempting to turn around you know but they trusted the path it's extremely easy for us to get fearful on this quest if we're even willing to take it this quest of financial health that honors god and so why do some people have so little and then some people have so much it just doesn't seem fair it's easy to question and sometimes we even wonder can i really truly trust god and so I believe to help us understand that principle and, and other principles, God shared a parable through Jesus in Matthew 25. Now, I encourage you to go and read that on your own, that whole the parable that Jesus tells. But here's a quick overview of Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. A, a talent was a unit of money that most scholars believe was about a year's wages. And this wealthy landowner, this rich man, was going on a trip, and he calls three of his servants together, and he gives each of them some talents, uh, a different increment of years' wages, some and some instructions to manage the money and when he, while he was away. And he gave each one a different amount. And the interesting thing I think is worth pointing out is it doesn't share that they complained in the story that Jesus is telling. They didn't complain about how much they got. You know, one didn't say, why did he get so much, and I got so little, You know why do I have so much I got to keep up with when he's got the simple job, you know Nobody complained, and I want us to take note of that because here is the difference Here's what we need to think about. They understood it wasn't their Money it wasn't their money Remember God owns everything. So why does God choose to give more to some people and less to some? Well, here's a, a couple of quick things I want us to think about number one is this God's ways are different than ours God's ways are different than ours. You think about when God went and chose King David to be the king. He went before all the brothers of Jesse or the sons of Jesse, David's brothers. And there was different ones, there was the oldest, there were these tall ones, these handsome ones, and he's like, "Well, where's in there one more?" And he chose the I guess sort of the runt out of the litter, right? King David was the youngest, the smallest, and so that's the one that was chosen to be king. He didn't look as physically impressive, but they'd already gone with a physically impressive king before, and that didn't turn out so well, did it? So God's ways are better, and then God chose Mary, a young virgin, to carry Jesus, the the son of God, into the world. He doesn't always do things the way that you and I would do them, and I think that's a good thing, don't you? He chose crucifixion which was a curse to the Jews to redeem you and I and save our souls. He chose the cross to save us and it wouldn't make sense. I wouldn't have chosen that. I would have chosen him to come in with some tanks and some fighter jets and just lay waste to all the sinners. That's what I would have chosen. But guess what? That'd have been me too. God chose the way that was needed And I love saying this, I say it a lot of times, remember this truth, God is God and we are not. God is God and we are not. The second idea that you need to learn is this, to make sure that you can trust God and understand you can trust God, is that God normally upholds his own established laws and truths and principles. Uh, One simple one is the law of sowing and reaping. You know, you think about it this way, what we put in is most of the time what we get out. You know, uh, If you have one person who goes to college or gets trained in a trade, they work hard, they build some wealth, and then you have another person who lives in mom's basement until he's 47, he doesn't work, um, who do you think is probably going to get a little bit more financial blessing? The one who works and puts in some effort, right? The one who betters himself, the one who gets educated, the one who works, the one who trains for a trade, that one, the one who puts in works. God normally works that way. He set up things to run in such a way. Now, he will do some miracles every now and then, but the fact that they're not happening all the time is what makes them a miracle. They're unique, right? He will break his own rules or laws, so to speak, and mess with the order of things to perform something like bringing somebody back from the dead, but that is a different thing. God normally works in a certain way. If we put in effort, usually we get some result. But then the third thing is this. God knows that money and stuff are no measure of love. Did y'all hear me? That's important. God knows that money and stuff are no measure of love, just ask the adult whose parents, when he or she was a kid, gave them all kinds of stuff but no love, attention, or time. I would say probably 99.999% of those people would say, if I could go back and change it, I would have just wanted to spend time with my mom and dad. I wouldn't take all the stuff, all the toys, all the money, all that sort of stuff. Not saying it wasn't nice, not saying it wasn't you know a, a blessing, not saying it wasn't something that they appreciated, but I'm telling you, they wanted the relationship more than they wanted the stuff. And they may go live their entire lives searching for that relationship and not even know it's a relationship with their parents they were searching for. And so God understands that love is not measured by stuff. And a common theme that people have when they return from a mission trip to a third world country is something like this. The people have so little, but they have so much more joy than we do. If you've ever been on a trip to a country like that, you probably experience that same feeling. And, and uh, Darren Key in his book gives this example. He says, most Haitian churches have bare concrete floors, wooden benches, and no air conditioner. But the joy in the building is uncontainable. And if the temperature's not just right for us, we get upset. We got AC, we got heat, but if it ain't exactly like we want, we get upset. So we never have to assume that because someone is poor by the world standards that that means that they aren't happy and don't feel blessed by God. Tim Cole, the director of Waypoint Church Partners, another uh, partner that helped us get launched, tells about a story about his friend who was from Virginia Beach, a guy by the name of Dallas Stamper. And he planted a church that was just for homeless people many years ago. Uh, It was based out of a homeless ministry. And when another friend left to plant a church in Philadelphia, the homeless people that were a part of that church took up an offering to give him to go help plant the church. Isn't that amazing? Many times we think our stuff, if we just have a little more stuff, we'll be happy. But oftentimes when we get our focus off of stuff and get it on God, that's when we find true joy. So here's the big picture. I'm almost done. Sometimes the yellow brick road of the Bible that we seem like is leading us wrong, I want you to understand, you might be thinking, can I really trust God? But just like Dorothy, just like her gang of friends, keep on going, keep looking for one of the 2,000 signs for guidance. And so if you're wondering what your first step is, I'll give you two. I'll give you two. These are going to be vital if you want to honor God in in this area of your life. First is this. Make a list of what you manage for God. Write down your bank accounts, your investments, home property you might own, any loans that you have, tuition bills that you have, debts, all of it. Write everything down, everything that you are responsible for, either that you have or you're responsible for paying, and you get a record because if you're going to be a good manager, you need to know what What you are managing. That's your first step. And then number two is this, write down a spending plan. Write down a spending plan. If you don't already have a spending plan every month, I wanna encourage you, I wanna challenge you to do that. Some of you may call it a budget, some of you might freak out when I say budget, and you're like, ah! Call it a spending plan. Plan where your money is gonna go, or your money will take care of it for you, right? All your your, uh, people you pay bills to, they'll take care of it. So make yourself a budget, don't think of it that way if you don't want to, but list your income and list your expenses and say, God, I'm giving these things to you. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to make a plan and I'm going to follow your principles. I'm going to learn from you. But here's the thing. Without knowing this stuff, you're wandering around in the dark with a blindfold on. It's not just dark. You are making it darker. You are stumbling around. You're tripping. You're falling. And I want you to be able to see not just... Spiritually, but although I'd say how we handle our money is very spiritual, I want you to see in every aspect of your life. As we close it out, I want us to think about the Wizard of Oz. You know, the Yellow Brick Road was pretty desolate, wasn't it? It was pretty desolate. And the road to the all-powerful Oz, there weren't many people on. You would think if this guy is so great and the Emerald City is so beautiful that a lot of people have been on the road. But Jesus tells us the same thing when it comes to salvation. You know, he says the road that leads to life is narrow and few will find it. And so we just need to come to grips with the fact that we're going to follow the path even if nobody else does. Even if nobody else wants to come along, we are going to follow the path. God offers another way. He offers another way. When we follow Him, we can truly be where He calls us to be. He offers a place that's much better. He offers us eternity in heaven with Him, but He offers this life to be better too as we honor Him and follow Him. But the quest begins with a single step. Maybe your step is to follow Jesus with your life. Believe in him. Repent of sin. Confess him as Lord. Be baptized into Christ. Start following him today. Maybe that's your step, but maybe your step is to give your money, your finances, your time to him too because he is God and we are not. Don't leave here today without making sure that he is Lord of all because if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Let's stand. Let's worship. sermon podcast want to learn more about us you can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on ios and android devices under movement NC.